Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then the Gospel of John, the prologue to the Gospel, beginning there in the very first verse, John writes concerning Christ. Christ is the Word. Christ is the Logos of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Wisdom in the Old Testament revelation was quite rich. There's a large variety of wisdom. Generally, when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about understanding. That is, knowing how things are, not just knowing facts and not just being able to identify and name all the animals but to be able to know the sciences that goes around those as well. That's why the word knowledge or the word science is also included in the notion of wisdom. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. But then there's another dimension to wisdom in the Old Testament, and that is prudence. That is the capacity to do that which is right and live wisely, live a life and do things in such a way that there is blessing, there's prosperity, there's health, there's happiness, there's the welfare of the whole planet involved in prudence. And the wise man in the Old Testament, and by the way, in the Old Testament, we're very familiar with those three mediatorial offices of Christ, prophet, priest and king. Those were the offices that God had set up in one way or another to, to rule over his people and to shepherd his people. All three of those offices required an anointing and a calling to the office. But there was another, not really an office, but there was another person in the Old Testament that was 
greatly admired and greatly uh, depended upon, and that was the sage. The sage in Israel was the wise person, the wise man. In fact, we find in Scripture mention of the wise woman, and that was the person who had learned to live God's way, who had somehow ciphered the commandments that God gave from creation morning all the way through Mount Sinai, all the way through the life of Israel. The wise person knew how to live wisely and prudently. And as we read in the text, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So they were men and women who feared God, who worshiped God in spirit and in truth, and who lived according to his commandments. And they were able not only to prosper themselves, but they were able to take care of their children and their grandchildren. They were able to subdue the earth and do things that were necessary for that. They were also able to correct the fool. And the wisdom literature is very strong in the Old Testament. In fact, we have wisdom throughout each and every book of the Old Testament in the prophets and in the writings and in the law, we find wisdom. But there are books in the, in the Old Testament that are exclusively devoted to wisdom. You know them as the wisdom literature. It's the ancient book of Job. The entire book of Psalms, Psalms while they compare praise and prayer also have a tremendous amount of wisdom. The book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. There was ample literature in the Old Testament. Not only is it contained there, but as I said, they were not. The book of Amos is filled with words of wisdom. And the wise person had various elements that could convey the wisdom. Sometime it was in riddles. We found Samson was an expert in the use of riddles that people might understand wisdom and mystery. Wisdom was expressed in parables. It's expressed in allegories. There are statements, the book of Proverbs are filled with statements that are, that are uh, comparisons, one line, and then the same truth will be uh, said in another line. There is a uh, antithetical where there's a line and the opposite truth is set forth in the second line. This parallelism that you'll find all through the Old Testament. The book, books of wisdom were so important to ancient Israel to give them the, the means and the, the conduits from which they could carry forth their life that the topics that are contained in wisdom are varied too and are rich and original. The, the, the Psalms talk about food. It talks about human relations. It talks about marriage. It talks about money and economics and industry and thrift. It talks on and on about righteousness and law keeping. In fact, if you read the book of Proverbs, you begin to get the impression while it's talking so often between a son and, and, and a father or a mother, there's often seemed to be something a little more in play there. And what it was this is the book of Proverbs, I believe, was a collection of sayings and, and principles to live by that were inculcated in the prince, the son of the king. 
In fact, in the Old Testament, Solomon prayed for wisdom. God gave him wisdom in abundance. And Solomon was also known as the Koholeth. He was the preacher, sometimes it's called. But really what he was was a convener of an assembly. He would bring against the wise men, the wise men from all over, including the wisdom of Egypt and the wisdom of the ancient East from there modern countries of Syria and Iraq and all of the wisdom of the whole east would come together and Solomon would have these great convocations of wisdom and they would bring together the wisdom of the ages and the wisdom of the nations and then blend that in with the revealed wisdom of God and it gave humanity an incredible uh, way of understanding and living their lives. And as Solomon would convene these great assemblies, he was known as a king who was wise, wise as Solomon. And I know you've heard the stories about the wisdom of Solomon and the way he discerned and solved cases. There was another king in Israel a few years later, a descendant of Solomon by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a well-known kingdom, a king of wisdom. In fact, some of the Psalms and some of the Proverbs and a lot of the ancient literature, it's believed, were copied out by the scribes of King Hezekiah. The men of Hezekiah copied out certain things to preserve them and inscripturate this, this wisdom literature. So we come to the Old Testament, we've got this, this, this mass of, of, uh, of, of literature and thinking and outlook and perspective and insight. It's better to live by insight than hindsight. You know that, don't you? Insight into things where they can understand how they should live. And so the sage in Israel was a, was a very important person. In fact, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees on one occasion, I bet this slipped by most of us. He, we know he talked about the prophets. He said, you have the prophets. But he also said, you have the prophets, you have the wise men, and the scribes. From the lips of Jesus himself, he told about these things. To, to sum it up kind of quickly, the Old Testament teaches that God exercised his wisdom, utilized his wisdom in creation. And we talk about intelligent design, that doesn't even begin to tell the story because we're only able to just understand a few of those designs that are so intricately and delicately and wisely and in some cases fearfully and wonderfully discerned. The active agent in creation was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We read that several times in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. We read it just then in John, in John's gospel. We read it in Colossians. It's very clear in the New Testament that the Son of God, co-equal with the Father, was the active agent in creation. He created. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He was the one who was the worker. He was the one that accomplished that which the Father set him to do in the creation, bringing to full reality, putting it into molecules and into matter and energy and into planets and into, into living things, both plants and animals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Systems that operated, all of these things come from the mind of God and were set in place by his son, Jesus Christ. One of the precursors to that particular event is found in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8. Let me read a few verses there 
to get the idea of it. This whole chapter deals with wisdom. It says, does wisdom call? Does understanding raise her voice? And then it begins to talk about in, in chapter 8, verse 22, it's, it's, it's speaking in the, in the person of wisdom, in the first person. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth. That's where St. John gets his, in the beginning was the word, because that's what's being spoken of here. It's Christ, the divine logos. The logos uh, embodies all of these notions that we talked about that are in the Old Testament. Different words used there that talk about wisdom and prudence and understanding and knowledge. When we get to the New Testament, it's all encapsulated in one very, very hefty Greek word, the word logos. It's the word that means word, speech, reason, logic, wisdom, and even revelation. It's how God brings forth his mind into reality and how he communicates and how he speaks and how he orders it, how he designs it. You may not think so, but it is a creation of God that the human mind is enabled to be ordered, that is able to perceive a taxonomy of creation. I'm telling you, when we forget Christ and we forget God and we forget the revealed word of God as a society, as a culture, and we will eventually forget and understand reality. If you don't think so, you start looking at what's going on in the postmodern world. We talk about transgender, that's nothing. You ought to look at trans species. Are you familiar with that concept that's among us? Where people losing their identity completely because they have failed to take God's word as to who we are as human beings, and they're really trying to figure out what kind of creature that, that we are. And they're doing all kinds of crazy, crazy, perverted and insane things. And it's being protected in speech and law. They have a right to their own self-identity. They have a right to their expression. And to say anything against it and say, wait a minute, you're just out of your ever-loving mind. And the elders say, that, that's hate speech. I don't care how much you love them and are trying to pull them back from that abyss of absolute and utter destruction. Let me finish reading this a little bit more of this, this passage here and you'll get the idea. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields and the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew the circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. And now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear my instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life 
and obtains favor with the Lord. This is wisdom talking. This is logos talking. This is Christ talking. Whoever finds me finds life. I am the light of life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. And listen, if I didn't have but one sentence to give you this morning, listen to this one right here. Very next closing sentence of this chapter 8 of Proverbs. All who hate me, that is, hate Christ, God's Son, all who hate me, Love death. A culture either gravitates to an affinity, a love, an appreciation, at least an awareness of God the Son, or as they back away from that, they move into darkness and into depravity. All who hate me love death. And what develops then, instead of a culture of life and the promotion of life and health and well-being and, and prodigy, develops a culture of death and decay. What does this all have to do with Christ? One more time, I'm out of time, but let me just give you a quick, quick, quick bringing it up to speed. When you get to the New Testament, you find Jesus Christ as the wisdom of God in Luke 2, the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom. By the way, that's a quotation out of Proverbs chapter 3. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in favor with God and man. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, it talks about enjoying good success. Isaiah said that my servant will prosper and will enjoy success. In other words, Christ will accomplish those things. Just like he accomplished all of the works in creation, he accomplishes all the works in redemption. He has, a, in his work on our behalf, he has wrought a salvation for us. Jesus was connected with wisdom all of his life. He studied the Proverbs. Why? Because he was the prince he was the true prince. He was the true royalty. And those royal proverbs became part of his daily living. When he was just 12 years old, he was in the temple talking with the scribes and the wise men, the Pharisees, and all those people that knew and, and held all the encyclopedia of understanding of Israel's culture. And Jesus was there dialoguing with them in excellent fashion. And what did he say? I'll be about my father's business Jesus is always doing what the Father tells him from creation all the way through his life on earth, all the way through redemption. And it was interesting, several times, twice in Luke, in Mark, and uh, it says that when Jesus taught once in Capernaum at the synagogue and once uh, when he's talking to the uh, Pharisees, several times it mentions that the people were astonished. They were astonished at his authority, but they were astonished, it also says, at his wisdom. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. No wonder the Apostle Paul, when he begins to contemplate the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, he is just about beside himself with doxology. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways and his judgments are inscrutable. They're past finding out. What a marvelous thing it is to think about how Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God comes forth to give us that which we need. 
To, and then in talking to the Ephesians, Paul says, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then finally, Paul gives a couple of wonderful, wonderful statements along these lines when he talks about Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authority. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. How in the world does the cross tie in with the wisdom of God? Well, Paul says in Corinthians in an extended discussion that the cross is the very expression of the wisdom of God. Who would have imagined that redemption would come through incarnation, through sacrifice, through burial, through resurrection, a veritable recreation, a new creation in Christ? Christ.